interview initiative podcast. My first guest uh, is Andy Dunn, who is the owner and technical recruitment specialist for First Hand Recruitment. Um, how are you, Andy? Hi, Guy. Yeah, great. Great to speak. Good. And a bit about yourself. So obviously spent a lot of time in this industry and met and interviewed a lot of people. Thousands and thousands. Yeah. So I've been been working in the, the recruitment sector for nearly 20 years. Um, the last 14 years, I've specialised in high technology engineering, uh, working within the defence and security marketplace. Um, made over 500 placements in my career. And, and I've interviewed thousands, if not tens of thousands of, of candidates in my career. So, um, yeah, lots and lots of experience in, in this area. Kept you busy. Um, and Very. And with those those placements and those, I suppose, those conversations that you've had, when you've picked up the phone and someone's genuinely kind of excited you or you've met someone, what is it that, that they've really done that has made them stand out and made them, so I suppose, your sort of A-list candidates that has really differentiated them from the rest of the market? I think, I mean, I, I follow a, quite a rigorous um formula when I interview candidates so um, I always sort of go straight into their key motivation now so my first killer question is always why are we having this conversation um, yeah. and it will obviously be a reason such as you know lack of motivation lack of opportunity reached a glass ceiling in their current job um, so I follow a quite strict say strict formula of questions um, yeah. I mean I see probably um, I'd say anywhere between 30 to 50 CVs a day um, come to me either via LinkedIn, um, people connecting with me, then sending me their CV via via the LinkedIn messenger feature um, yeah. or via job boards, um, which I subscribe to where I've got quite niche watchdog set up to, to attract CVs that are in my, my space um, or referrals from, from candidates that I've placed or I'm working with at the moment. So I only probably talk to maybe five, six, seven people a day if I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, so I've always got a good idea as to what, especially if they're working in my market now, I'll have a good idea as to the type of work they're doing and the type of organisation that they're working at. So, um, so usually I've got a good idea, you know, when I get them on the phone, what they're going to be saying to me um, at the start. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, and obviously, it's, it needs to be fairly rigorous, I'd imagine, with the, the types of markets you recruit in as well. And, and well, I know that as well. Um, but then when, you've, when you're going through that process as well, what, what is it that there might be a candidate and what sort of things that come across that would say that you don't feel they're right for the role or that they're not sort of genuine or, or what really sort of, I suppose, turns you off of candidates when, when they come out with certain things? I suppose the first one is I ask them who else they're, they've either applied to or working with. So candidates that are working with lots of recruiters at the same time, um, yeah. it just it just dilutes the entire process. And, and you as a recruiter lose that element of control. Um, yeah. so that puts me off. It puts me off when they don't really know what they want to do for their next step. So obviously during the whole COVID experience in the last you know, 12, 15 months, there's just been an astronomical number of tyre kickers, um, I'd call them sort of in, in the marketplace, where they're working in a job, they don't have to leave it, but they see this as an opportunity now to to look at what else is out there. And especially yeah. now, I mean, everybody's hiring, like literally 
every organization has some form of, of vacancy um, mm. certainly that i've come across and you know candidates that don't have a real idea and, and defined idea of what they want to do with themselves next is, is a big turnoff. Um, so I always say to candidates prior to me having a conversation with them, I've got a template that, um, that I, I use a, a tool called, um, bear me one second, uh, I use a tool that basically pulls through a list of questions that I put across when I set up the invitation um, to, to have the conversation with them and I get them to think about these things before we have our first our first chat. Let me just get the name of that for you. Um, yeah. so text Blaze is okay. It's one of the tools and templates that I use there. Yeah, and and with that, I mean, there's it's difficult for a candidate sometimes, right? You you know you're not satisfied with what you're doing right now, but you don't quite know what you don't know, and you don't know what else might be out there. I mean, what what sort of questions would you try and use to sort of stimulate that conversation as well, and and maybe some of the answers you might expect? So I'd ask them, you know, what what they enjoy the most about the job they're doing now yeah what they they dislike the most about what they're doing so like for instance i've just just placed a candidate now that i've been tracking her for the best part of two years so she's an extremely high potential um systems engineering candidate in the defense sector who's working for a relatively small consultancy now i sent her those questions as opposed to her thinking about them and then talking to me about them in that first call, she actually put them in writing. So it's fantastic. When we actually got on the, on the call, the first call together, we had a, you know, a, we had the same, you know, the same answers in front of us. And, and I could really drill down into the type of organization and team and individual that she would be you know, best suited to. And, mm-hmm. and subsequently I could have sent her CV to 20 companies and probably got 20 interviews. She was that good. Um, yeah. I sent her to one company. I knew the hiring manager really, really well. Let him know straight away that the CV had come over and um, literally within the space of two weeks. And the process is usually a month with this client as well to get through this. Um, she was placed and she starts in three weeks time. So, Okay. So just by sort of narrowing down sort of just what she might enjoy and what she yeah, might not want I think to it's do. all about it's it's a little bit like you know obviously we we place a lot of systems engineers in our career but it's it's all about defining the requirement of that candidate yeah. in that first call so just making sure that you're aware of you know exactly what the key um makeup of of a new job for that individual will be yeah no, that makes sense and and something you touched on earlier as well around sort of candidates who are sort of speak to a lot of people, it makes it quite challenging for you. I mean, as a candidate, there's there's a pretty solid argument to say that I'm going to get my CV to as many places as I can to to get as many opportunities as I can. But in that situation, what would your what would your advice to the those people be in order to, I suppose, maximize their their time and maximize the sort of process of the job search? I mean, I, I would definitely say to, to, to outreach to, to numerous people at the start, but I would I would be then really cautious to work with too many at excuse me at the same time. So you know, do do your sort of due diligence on the recruiters that you decide to that you want to work with, you know, look at their LinkedIn profile, look at, go to the activity tab on their LinkedIn profile. Now you don't have to be connected to a recruiter to do, or to anyone obviously on LinkedIn to do this, but if you go to their profile page, go to their activity tab, look at what they're commenting on, look at what they're sharing, what content they're sharing. Is it something that's relevant to you? 
does it give you that sense of confidence that they're going to be the right individual for you to work with? Obviously, go to their website, look at the types of jobs that they're posting. Yeah. Is it aligned to what you've you've decided you want to do with your career? Um, yeah. and another thing as well, I mean, a lot of recruiters um, don't really push for this. But I, I really do try and, and get testimonials from my candidates. So yeah. I, I think I've got something like 60 testimonials, which is quite a lot in, in our marketplace mm. um, of individuals that I've placed. And their and testimonials, both from customers and the majority of candidates. So... You, know, you do get a feel for the sort of type of recruiter that you're working with if if you go to that and obviously the, all the testimonials are at the bottom part of the uh, of the recruiter's LinkedIn profile but it's, yeah. it's a bit like looking into a, you know a company that you're going to interview at you do the same it, it, it depends how how deep you want to go into the search you know but you can you can really kind of flesh out who the sort of movers and shakers are in your marketplace and yeah. always try and get at least a, a five ten minute call with that that individual just to chew the fat of the of the marketplace now yeah which makes sense and i mean obviously with recruitment that's a whole different topic but there's there's an element of sort of integrity and morals and ethics and everything of, of the people that you're you're being caught up with i mean i know i've been caught out as a job seeker um yeah but it's it's yeah and those testimonials are probably a great way to find it as well i mean the contingency marketplace is is tough it's tough enough as it is but there are lots of unscrupulous recruiters out there that will just pick up CVs, not even have a qualification call with an individual and just send that CV to all manner of potential companies. On, yeah. you know, and then they'll ring the candidate out of the blue with, hey, I've got this dream job and I can guarantee you an interview. <laughs> they've already sent the CV. Yeah, they've person. already got the interview. It's crazy. It's cra- and it happens all the time. It's, it's, so- it's really tough. It just devalues the the market in a lot of senses, and you and is part. I think it's part of the reason why it's at time has a bad reputation. But so often the value can be missed. Someone like yourself, who's who's genuinely knows their market, and like you said, you had twenty places you could send that lady, and you sent it to one in the end, yeah. um, and that was the right one. Um, and when you're you're going into sort of meet candidates and have those conversations, what is your your absolute sort of favourite, your killer question that you'll always ask and you're really interested to know the answer to? Well, that's a good one, Guy. You put me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> well, I, I suppose I hark back to the very first question that, that I mentioned, you know, yeah. why are we having this conversation? Because ultimately, when you get even down to, the, to an offer of, a, of an individual, you're going to have to go back and reflect on your original conversation with that individual and it all comes down to that first call. You know, why are you speaking? Why is this conversation taking place? What is the key driver for that individual? You know, everybody's got their own motivations. It depends where they are in their career. Are they early on, their first couple of years after graduating, or are they senior managers now and, and leading large teams? It, it all comes down to that, that key thing. What is your, what's your why, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's a bit Simon Sinek. Def- definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's always so difficult. It's quite challenging to define it as well with your some. I suppose sometimes the job's a job, but sometimes it really is trying to find a little bit more as well. Uh, and I guess the candidates that know that are probably the ones that stand out to you a little bit more as well. Exactly, and especially in the market now, because you know the the, the, the defence sector has evolved more in the last. 12 months and it's evolved in the last 12 years and me working in it yeah you know and 
it was, never, it was never an option, you know, for people to work remotely in the defence sector. Never. And, yeah. and in the last twelve months, everyone has had to evolve and do their work from home. And uh, unless, of course, they're you know integrating a piece of kit into a missile or a tank or something, you can't really do that from your you know, garden shed. But um, yeah, you can't really put that in the garage. No, but you know, it has it has changed so much, and I think the next twelve months are going to be you know quite disrupted as well. You know, with people still trying to work out how the the sort of balance between home life working in the office working at home so i think no one is really going to go back to the office 100 percent no very very, it, very few few jobs that will do that but um it seems to be the traditional banks are the ones that are driving it at the moment but i think there'll probably be more than we'd want to see follow suit but there's got to be a, a matching in the middle where yeah. you can get better talent who can work remotely and everything else as well but when it comes to sort of that meeting process and that interview process i know sort of you you love to do it via sort of new technology platforms and everything else i mean with the evolving changes of the sector and sort of tech i mean what do you think that means for how people are going to have to approach interviews and approach meetings and what they going to have to adapt to now more so than ever so um it's i suppose video interviewing um really exploded last year um and Every single candidate that I've placed had on interview. The first stage has been some form of video. Uh, yeah. What I did early on in, in the pandemic was to was to integrate um, a video interviewing software into the business, where I could actually take uh, my clients' hiring manager questions and load them into a virtual interview room, and yeah. get the candidates to effectively answer those hiring manager questions directly recording themselves and kind of wipes out the, the first stage of the recruitment process and speeds up the recruitment process by you know up to 50 percent in some some instances so i'd say yeah. candidates make sure that you are prepared for that so that your setup is right your your internet speeds right your lighting's right your camera on your computer or your laptop is is an adequate camera the microphone works you know, te you test it out and play around with, you know, different sort of uh, scenarios of, of interviews. But whatever happens, you will you will definitely get face uh, sorry video interviews at any part. I think of any recruitment cycle at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And, and the way that technology has evolved so much as well in the last twelve months, you know, I think you, you have to accept that's going to be a part of, the, of any process now. Yeah. Which. I mean, like you say, in theory, it should cut down the, the time to hire and everything else and make it a simpler process. Yeah. Um, or it can just mean there's even more stages than ever before and everyone's on video. But I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes it takes out stages like one of my other customers, one I just mentioned before this this call started. Um, so the first part of that recruitment process was the candidate recording a two minute elevator pitch. So, you know, four questions. Yeah. mystery um a bit about you why you want to work for my customer you know um, so they've done their research and they can give a, a 30 second answer to that uh, and you know what skills you can bring to the table and that can be shared amongst several different hiring managers within that same organization that could all potentially be hiring that individual so yeah. if you don't need to have three or four different first stages um, with that company, that one elevator pitch should 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 suffice the yeah. first stage with any of those. So it, it speed it up sometimes. 
And with with the video interviews, have you seen sort of many kind of panel interviews and those sort of say there's three interviewers and there's one person and, and how has that played out well from what you've seen? I, there hasn't been too much of that. So most most of the, the interview processes that my, my customers follow will be a, a first stage with. So I work with a lot of management consultancies. Um, yeah. The first stage is typically with a, a principal. Um, the second stage is usually with a managing consultant, and the, yeah. and, the, and if there's needed, a third stage is is usually a rubber stamp exercise with a partner. Yeah. Um, so they don't typically do panels. Um, okay. I've a couple of my customers though that have done um, sort of whiteboard exercises and um, case studies in the second stage of an interview, where yeah. candidates can use a virtual whiteboard and, and you know write up their ideas and move things around and there's some sort of uh, lateral thinking type questions on there as well so it does happen but it's it's quite rare in, in in those instances okay no that makes sense and i suppose to to wrap us up for the day if you could give people who the cv's done its job they've got the interview with the client if there was one piece of advice that golden sort of golden nugget what would that be to that job seeker and that person going into that meeting for the first for the interview yeah, just before the interview, they're about to go in. One thing that you would advise them? I, I always say to candidates at the very start of the interview, ask your interviewer, what was it about my CV that prompted you to request this interview to be set up? Because yeah. it shows, one, that the candidate is interested in hearing what that interviewer has to say. And the interviewer will inevitably say something really positive. And it will kick yeah. off the interview on a really strong footing. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. Every person I've said that to that's tried it out after I've they've done the interview and I've called them for their feedback, they've said that was a brilliant thing to ask because it did just yeah. start it off on a really warm note. Takes a bit of control as well, right? For the person for the interviewee, they've they've sort of taken the control of the interview from the start. So yeah. it just relaxes it, sets the tone. I love that. That's a great one. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And um, yeah, look forward to speaking again soon. You're welcome. Good luck, Guy. Take care.